Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Simon. You're looking very fit and fine and fabulous today. Ah, the wonders of uh, a digital representation on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> you look as though you've been eating well. I haven't been eating too badly, actually. Yes, I've had my uh, my most important meal of the day, but we'll come on to that later. What? Why will we do that? It's, oh, I know. It's because we're doing breakfast. We are doing breakfast, yes. Let's let's do it right now. Let's let's have this meeting over a big fat fry up. Now before we get started, um by way of explanation to anyone who's accidentally in the wrong place at the wrong time, welcome to Factorally. This is a, a weekly podcast with two British voiceovers who get together and talk about interesting random facts from seemingly dull subjects. Yes. So um our day jobs are sitting in padded rooms. Yes. Sound treated rooms, uh, talking into very nice expensive microphones. Um, and telling people how wonderful things are and how to do stuff. Yes, that sums up my job. <laughs> <laughs> and then just for funsies, when we finish doing all of that, we get together and we pick out the interesting facts from all and sundry. Yes. So this week's random subject is breakfast. Breakfast, yes. So Bruce, talk to me about your experience of breakfast. Are you a breakfast kind of man? I quite like breakfast. Um, I... I feel a bit like you. You know, if I if I need to lose a bit of weight, then I'll. That's the only meal that I'll cut out, really, because right. I'll sort of like stop eating breakfast. But my, I have I have a standard breakfast. You know how like some people have like standard clothes that they wear, just like so they don't have to think about what they're going to wear every day. Yes, I have several versions of the same red plaid <laughs> shirt in my wardrobe. <laughs> I think people do the same thing with breakfast generally. Yeah, you sort of like yeah. you get up in the morning, you go. Oh, and you put two slices of bread in the toaster and then you get out the butter or whatever and you get out the Nutella and the peanut butter and the jam or whatever it is. That you, oh. or, you, or, or, you, or you smash a few avocados, whatever you do, <laughs> um, and, and, and you get on with the day. It's only sort of generally at the weekends that things, people ring their changes generally, I think. Hmm. What okay. about you? I mean, I, I love a good breakfast. I will very, very happily go out somewhere and have a, a fried breakfast or a brunch of some kind. Absolutely delicious. When mm. I do eat breakfast at home, it's usually quite dull and efficient. It's just a bowl of cereal because it's necessary, it's functional. I haven't really got much time before doing the school run. Let's get something down. Um, but at the moment, I'm intermittently fasting and therefore I'm not doing breakfast and lunch. Just my own preference, not advocating it to anyone. It has mixed opinions. Don't take my word for it. But in theory, yes, I love breakfast. Just not right now. <laughs> I imagine that the kind of breakfast that you love is one that we're going to talk about. And we should talk about it right now. Go on, then. Let's talk about the full English breakfast. That almost wants to be done in some kind of a Voice of God-esque. The full English breakfast! Kind of way, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> so, or the full Irish breakfast. Or the big Australian breakfast. Or the standard American breakfast. <laughs> any country, any country, basically that we've had an empire at any given time, <laughs> has a breakfast. <laughs> yes, which consists of probably a fried egg, yes, or two, um, probably bacon, certainly, probably some sort of sausage uh, and some sort of fried element, which can be bread or potatoes yes. or something. Yes, and there are there are options. Things like baked beans, tomatoes, mushrooms, black pudding, toast, chips, 
anything really anything <laughs> at all you can put on to the side of those those key sort of four or five ingredients yeah yes but the full english basically mm. the idea was it was enough calories to keep you going for the rest of the day because you didn't yes. actually stop for lunch yes so you would you would eat enough calories to make you you know fit and strong until you got home at sort of four o'clock in the afternoon or whenever yeah. it was that you're working yeah. to finish. And what happened was that this this breakfast, which has its variations all over the world, mm. um, became unnecessary to some degree because people started to work in sitting down professions. Oh, I see. So you don't need so much. So you don't need so much. Energy. You know, if you're a farmer, mm. you need that help to, to you know, take that barge, lift that bale. Yes. But if you're going to just sit there with a quill, <laughs> or, or a laptop then then you it's don't not need quite it so necessary no so i i saw um as with many of these things it is impossible to put a, an original date on it because no one has ever sat down with a big fat breakfast and written down i am the first person to ever eat this meal it just wouldn't work <laughs> um but there are records of of a a breakfast meal that sounds remarkably like what we've just described going back to the 13th century Yes, um, in this country at least, and at the time it was the the preserve of the of the wealthy. Uh, it was a it was a feast that one had in one's feasting hall because one was opulent and could afford to do so. <laughs> a feast um, to break your fast. To break your fast, breakfast indeed. And I've mentioned that there are various different iterations. That we call it the full English because we're English. Hmm. But there are also, like, there's an Ulster breakfast, yes. which includes the uh, soda fairies, which is, which is soda bread. Okay. Um, there's, in, sort of like, go, going around the country, then we go to Wales. They use la, uh, lava bread in, yes. in, uh, in a Welsh breakfast. Um, there's a thing called lawn sausage in, in a Scottish breakfast. Lawn? Which is, lawn, L-O-R-N-E. Not as in grouse. <laughs> Correct. Uh, lawn sausage is like a sort of like half inch thick square of mm. sausage meat. Sounds all right to me. But you, you fry it. There's no, there's no skin on it. Right. Uh, and some people swear by it. They think it's lovely. I'm not, not so sure. With a, with a, with a Scottish a, breakfast. Sort of a sausage patty. Yeah. And with a Scottish breakfast, you also get um, haggis, fried haggis and, um, and white pudding and black pudding. Yes. Good. But white pudding is more sort of oaty. Which is very similar to something they have in, ironically, from all the way up to the north of Scotland, you mm. go back down to Cornwall, down in the very south of England, mm. and they have a thing called hog's pudding. Oh. And hog's pudding is practically identical to white pudding in Scotland. Is it? And they even do one which is quite similar to haggis. Oh, okay. And, and a black pudding. Yeah, so huh. this hog's pudding, in, this Cornish hog's pudding is something that goes into a full Cornish. Full Cornish, of course, yes. Wouldn't want to mix that up with a full English, would you? No. Um, uh, I've had a, a full Irish whilst on holiday in Ireland, and it included something called a boxty. Ah. Uh, B-O-X-T-Y, boxty, which was a, a sort of a fried potato pancake, ah. which was actually very nice. It looked out of place, but it was very nice, and um, served with a little glass of whiskey on the side as well, a huge bowl of porridge. Sorry, sorry, whoa, whoa, back, back, back. Whiskey for breakfast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Start the day as you mean to go on, Bruce. <laughs> yes, there were... A, uh, we, I, uh, I sort of hopped from one B&B &B to another around, uh, around Ireland, around the um, Atlantic Way. And a couple of places served a little, little glass of whiskey 
that you could either sort of pour into your porridge or just neck <laughs> at will. Um, it went down a treat. How do you like your porridge? How do you like your porridge <laughs> in the morning? Um, I like mine. I'm not really a massive fan of porridge, actually. Are you not? Uh, if I were to have it, I would have it with um, honey or golden syrup or something like that. Yeah, you see, I, I I never used to be a fan of porridge until I started spending a lot of time in Scotland. Hmm. And then I discovered a thing called pinhead oatmeal. Ooh. And pinhead oatmeal is delicious. But you mm. have to cook it the night before. Okay. Or even the day or two days or a week before. And you uh, make a whole lot of porridge. Hmm using this pinhead oatmeal and you soak it and then you cook it. And and what they used to do in Scotland was they would um, cook a whole bunch of porridge up hmm. and keep it in a like a zinc-lined drawer in the kitchen. Okay. So you'd have like a porridge drawer. <laughs> That's and, brilliant. And, and you would chop like a square of, of, of porridge out of the drawer right. and then put it in a bowl, heat it up, or put it in the saucepan, heat it up, and then put maybe a bit of milk or cream and a bit of yeah. – I, I like mine with a bit of Scottish heather honey – Nice. Rather than rather than sugar, and quite a bit of salt, and mm. it is absolutely delicious. That does sound rather good. Now, this might garner an awful lot of comments, but um, I know we have quite a few Scottish listeners to this show. If anybody can uh, share their own experiences of pinhead porridge or any other local dishes, wherever you're from, tell us what your favourite kind of breakfast is. Oh yeah, tell us what your breakfast is. Oh, we'd love to know what sort of breakfast you have where you live. What do you know about muesli? I know that it's tasty. Um, I know that it's um, made of rolled oats and bits of grain of other variety. I don't know much, really, actually, as I'm saying it out loud. What do you know about muesli, Bruce? Um, I know that it was invented in Switzerland ah. in about 1900. Okay. By a Swiss doctor called Maximilian Bircherbenner. Uh, once more, just for Lloyds. Dr. Maximilian Bircherbenner. Very good. Although his his idea of muesli wasn't what we think of currently as, as muesli necessarily. Okay. But what he did was he got some rolled oats, um, mm -hmm. not the not the pinhead, the the the, the flatter oats, mm -hmm. and he would soak them in lemon juice. Mm, okay, interesting. And condensed milk, right? And apple juice and bits of apple overnight, and then that's what you would eat in the morning. That would that was the very first muesli back in nineteen hundreds. Right, okay. My my only experience of muesli is Alpen. Uh, oh, yes. Which, for some reason, I can't explain this for a second. Um, I whenever, When I go on holiday, uh, I often buy things that I don't have the rest of the time in order to sort of make <laughs> yeah, it special one and punctuate yeah. it slightly. It's like going shopping around a supermarket with all the unusual and different stuff that you find in yes, supermarkets. Yes, exactly, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and every now and then I, I pick up a box of muesli that just lasts me the, the length of the holiday, and that's very nice, and I don't have it at any other time. Um, so that's my full experience of muesli, is a, is a bowl of Alpen. And hence, I mean, the reason it's called Alpen, obviously, and the picture of the Alps on it is because it's got that link back to the Swiss. Breakfast cereal is one of those things that has come along quite a long way since then. This is a massive subject. I mean, forget breakfast as a whole. We could have done a whole episode just on cereal. I held back slightly just because it's such a big topic, but I had a quick look at, um, at Kellogg's. I had a quick look at the, uh, the Kellogg's cornflake. And... Um, this goes back further than I realised, all the way back to 1898. Uh, the Kellogg brothers, William and John Kellogg, they were making granola. 
uh, which, about which I know even less than muesli. So if you've got anything to tell me about granola later on, please do. <laughs> um, they were making granola and somehow or other they, they got the recipe slightly wrong and they ended up accidentally making flakes of wheat, wheat flakes. Mm-hmm. And um, they thought, oh, that's that's quite nice. I wonder if we can if we can turn that into a thing. And they changed the recipe and they experimented a few times. They ended up using corn instead of wheat and ta-da, cornflakes were born. I didn't realize they were that old or that unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like the first sort of like mass-produced yeah. uh, breakfast cereal like that. Yeah. I was never able to eat cornflakes without a large helping of sugar when I was a kid. I then moved on to Frosties and all the other sugar-laden, terribly unhealthy cereals that came after that. Well, interesting, because actually of the two brothers, John Harvey Kellogg was a doctor. Right. And his brother wasn't a doctor. And uh, Dr. John Kellogg was going, oh, no, we mustn't put any sugar in this. It's very bad for you. The point of this cereal... Well, I'll get on to the other point of the cereal in a minute. But, <laughs> but the point of the cereal is to be healthy and for, for mm. people who want to live a good life. We don't want to ladle it full of sugar. And Bill Kellogg said, well, you know, maybe it would taste nicer and people would eat more of it and buy more of it and we'd be richer <laughs> if we put a bit of sugar in. Right, OK. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, seems reasonable. He knew his market. So I've made mention there of something other than health reasons why cornflakes exist. Yes. Uh, do we do a trigger warning now? Oh, OK. <laughs> OK, trigger warning. Sex is now being mentioned for the next few minutes. I didn't, no one would ever have expected that to be the topic that immediately follows cornflakes. <laughs> no, well, cornflakes were invented. Um, John Kellogg felt that the more luxurious your breakfast, the more lascivious your lifestyle. Right. So he believed that if you had like luxuries and glories and everything, you would you would become quite sexual and you'd become quite quite rude. Oh, and I see. he he felt that that sex is actually very bad for you. He felt so strongly that sex was bad for you that he, he and his wife, he was married, hmm. um, had separate bedrooms, practically lived in separate houses, oh. never had sex, uh, but he had eight kids. Oh, all adopted. Okay. <laughs> so he adopted eight children. Huh. And the most detrimental aspect of sex to him was self-gratification. Sure. So the idea of cornflakes was to reduce your sex drive to the <laughs> point where you didn't feel like playing with yourself. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Everyone's having so much fun. Tell you what, we need to temper everyone down a little bit. Let's introduce cornflakes. They got around a bit there, cornflakes. Did they? Where did they get yeah. around to? Uh, the moon. Did they? They took cornflakes <laughs> to the moon. They took cornflakes to the moon. Huh. They uh, uh, Kellogg's made some special packs for astronauts. It was like a, a, a sealed pack that contained a portion of cornflakes and some freeze-dried milk. So it was okay. not too heavy. Mm-hmm. And then you, it, you would basically um, add water to this pack, give it a bit of a shake, hmm. and the freeze-dried milk would turn back into milk. Hmm. And you could have uh, your cornflakes and milk on your way to the moon. That's great. One, one of my favorite things when I was on, on holiday, I don't know whether you get this, there are these little boxes of, of cereals. A variety pack. They were a variety pack. Yes. Yes. Love that. Now, I used to think that they were really useful because you could just pour the milk straight into the box. You philistine. <laughs> really? <laughs> 
Well, you can, because it's like a greaseproof paper, so it doesn't leak. You just open the box, just pour the milk in. Sure, you, you can, but <laughs> should you? <laughs> to quote Jurassic Park, you were so busy thinking about whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. <laughs> that just seems odd. But you used to get, what was your favourite of the variety packs? Uh, Cocoa Pops. Cocoa Pops. Yeah. I, I used to like Rice Krispies. Did you? Snap, yeah. crackle and pop. Well, you say snap, crackle and pop because you're British. Indeed. <laughs> there are international <laughs> versions. There are international versions. So okay. in, in Norway and Sweden... Right. Uh, they're called Piff Paff Puff. Oh, I like that. That's nice. And Belgium is very similar. It's Piff Paff Poff. Piff Paff and Poff. Yes. In in Finland, it's Pox, Ricks and Racks. <laughs> <laughs> in Germany, Knisper, Knasper, Knasper. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and in Italy, again, it's uh, Piff Paff Poff. Wow. Right. Okay. So the, the Snap and Crackle and Pop is, is onomatopoeic. It's linked yes. to the sound that they make when they're yes. all crackling in the bowl. Yeah. Piff Puff Puff seems more like a description of the look and the shape and the method of making those things in, in so much that they're sort of puffed up and filled with air. Like small explosions? Yes. Yeah. Well, originally, Snap was on his own for a while, um, and Snap was joined by Crackle and Pop during the Second World War. Good to have a buddy. I've just suddenly remembered one of my claims to fame is that I used to work with the Honey Monster. The mascot of Sugar Puffs was this yellow, fluffy creature called the Honey Monster. And um, I, I used to work with a gentleman who um, put that suit on for those commercials during the 80s. Oh, wow. Talking of commercials for cereal, hmm. as you're expecting fully, I guess. I was. Yes, I did commercials for cereal back in the day. <laughs> of course you did. Any particular ones? Well, the one you'll remember is the ones I did for Ready Breck. Right. Uh, central Heating for Kids. You wrote that. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Great. Now, I, I really like a continental breakfast. I do love a, a full English, but whenever I go away anywhere and they have that kind of spread on, I won't bother with the hot stuff. I'll just make an absolute meal out of the cold meats and cheeses and pastries and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, quite a, a staple of that is the croissant. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. I love a croissant. You know, having a croissant with your, your coffee is a, a lovely continental thing to do for breakfast. And you, you can't really get more French than, than a, a croissant, can you? Except uh, they're actually Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we now know is the croissant was invented in Austria really long time ago in in the medieval era oh, there was wow. something that was roughly croissant shaped that okay. was being served for for breakfast in austria uh, originally known as the kipfel and it was much later like hundreds of years later that that france found it twisted it a bit made it a little bit lighter and puffier and called it a croissant um i i, I find that fascinating that something so quintessentially french wasn't originally french absolutely um and Obviously, having that with a nice cup of, of milky coffee. Um, in Italy, it's thoroughly frowned upon to drink a, a milk-based cup of coffee past 11 a.m. I'll have a cappuccino or a latte any time of day at all. But in Italy, yeah. milky coffee is very, very much uh, a breakfast, breakfast thing. a breakfast item. And the tangents, there are tangents upon tangents here. I'm sure we'll do an entire episode on, on coffee one day, but... Um, very briefly, I was just sitting there thinking about having a, a croissant and a cappuccino. And I remembered um, the name of cappuccino um, comes from Italian capuchin friars. Yes. Monks. 
because they wore sort of a, a creamy brown habit and um, roughly the color of, yeah. of, of a cappuccino. Of course. And, and that's why they were named that. Also, the, the same reason that capuchin monkeys are named that, that as well, because they're a similar color. Oh, and not because they have that, that bold spot on the top of their heads. No, not because of that. No. Okay, interesting. So, so the croissant is actually Austrian then. Originally, yes. There, there is an Austrian and German expression about bacon. Go on. There is a thing called uh, Kummerspeck, and Kummerspeck is is grief bacon. Grief. Grief bacon, and it's it's basically the weight gain that you put on when you're unhappy. Is <laughs> called Kummerspeck. Oh, that's great. Henry VIII liked a good breakfast, but not just for himself. Okay. His ladies-in-waiting for his, oh. for his brides also got given an allowance of, of, of breakfast. Right. And their, their allowance for breakfast was uh, two loaves of bread per breakfast. What? A joint of beef per breakfast and a gallon of ale. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Well, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I found out that um, uh, kippers, you know, having kippers for breakfast. Oh, yes, yes. Which I've never done. I've never fancied the idea of that. I like kippers. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to think a kipper was a fish. It's actually a way of preparing um, a piece of herring, yes. isn't it? Kippering. It's it's a, a verb. It's a, a style he was, of cooking. He was a poet, wasn't he? Kippering. Kippering. <laughs> <laughs> he also made exceedingly good cakes. Um, so, yeah, you take a herring, you split it, you smoke it. Not like a cigar, but you know, yep. you put it over the over a smoky fire, and that's a kipper. And um, these these have been served for breakfast throughout the land, you know, for years and years and years. But it was in 1842 uh, that Queen Victoria, whilst on holiday to Scotland, had kippers for breakfast, ah. and um, the whole thing became very popular because obviously, whatever the royalty is doing, everyone else is going to copy. Oh yeah. So that's when kippers for breakfast became such a popular thing. I think they've fallen out of popularity now. I, I can't think of the last time I've seen that as an You option. can buy boil-in-the-bag kippers now, which is kind of... Can you? Which, and they're all sort of properly boned and everything. So it's literally okay. just, the, just the fish, usually with like a, a, a little sort of bit of butter in there and, and stuff. Yeah. Well, so it goes buttery. I always remember my mum going to the fishmongers and asking for kippers by the pair. So a pair of like kippers? A pair of kippers. So huh. a pair of kippers was basically one herring. Oh, I see. That had been split in half. So it looks like two. two so it looks like two. So if you'd asked for a pair of kippers, it just meant one. I found it quite interesting seeing where things come from. So, you know, the, the French croissant is from Austria. The kipper was popularised by Queen Victoria visiting Scotland. Uh, orange juice being drunk at, at breakfast. Um, became popular in America in the 1920s as oh. a, a response to the Spanish flu. Oh, um, okay. As a health boost, you know, getting getting your vitamin C. Yeah. Uh, Belgian waffles, I had a bit of a, a, a brief <laughs> look down. My my son loves Belgian waffles. Um, they were originally, uh, the, they, they came from Brussels, where they were created in 1839. And um, they were introduced to America much later in 1964 at the New York's World Fair oh, wow. uh, by a restaurateur called Maurice Vermesh. Uh-huh. He took these waffles to America and he thought, these Americans, they've probably never heard of Belgium. They probably don't know that Brussels is the capital of Belgium. 
I'll call them Bell Gem. B-E-L, new word, G-E-M, waffles. It's a cute sounding little name. Yeah. So Belgian waffles were originally marketed as Belgian waffles. <laughs> Isn't that great? Because, I mean, American health kicks have been responsible for a few things. Uh, sure. For example, um, in the 60s, there was this big health kick for breakfast and people started to have yoghurt for right, breakfast yes. in, the, in the 60s. It, it wasn't yes. really a thing before that at all. No. No, I've forgotten all about yogurt for breakfast. And uh, and, and so yeah, so it was it was considered like a healthy. I don't think they talked about your um, digestive tract and all the all the all the horrible stuff that that an active yogurt will do yeah. to your gizzards. But yes. um, it's it was it was the thing to do to have mm. yogurt for breakfast. Now, you mentioned the gargantuan breakfasts of Henry VIII's wives. Uh, I tried to find um, a Guinness record for the largest full English breakfast. Um, so many parameters, so many things that define biggest. There's one record for the heaviest breakfast served in a, in a, in a restaurant, um, in this country at least. Uh, there was a, a cafe uh, in Bolton called Mario's Cafe, and they serve up a... 2.9 kilogram plate of bacon and eggs. Sorry. Mm-hmm. 2.9 kilo. That's nearly six pounds. Six and a half pounds. Six yeah. and a half. Okay. Yeah. Of bacon and eggs. For only £10.95. Um, and if you can finish it within 20 minutes, you'll eat it for free. And and then probably, you know, and go and have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one record. That I don't, that's obviously not a full English. That's just bacon and eggs, but certainly very big. I found a cafe in Doncaster <laughs> who serves up this full English breakfast. Uh, it's estimated to contain around 17,000 calories. Um, okay, which that's, you, what's that's that, eight times your daily intake. Approximately, yeah. Um, and this cafe serves up this, this thing that consists of 15 rashers of bacon, 15 hash browns, 15 fried eggs, 15 pieces of black pudding, 15 slices of toast, 15 portions of mushrooms, 15 portions of baked beans, 15 portions of tin tomatoes, and 15 <laughs> double-sized sausages on a very, very large plate. Wow. Um, and you're invited to join in the challenge and see if you can eat this thing within an hour. I mean, I don't fancy it. <laughs> I have no more facts about breakfast, so I think it's about time that we did have breakfast. That's us done then. We have uh, gone on for long enough. Have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful breakfast. And uh, thank you for listening to Factorally. Factorally. Subscribe, like, share, tell your nerdy mates. <laughs> we know you have them. You're just <laughs> like us. <laughs> yes. And please come again soon. Bye. Cheerio. <laughs>